2: The, the new Miami, the new Miami, the new Miami, Surge, Surge, the new Miami, the new Woo. Miami, the new Miami, Surge, the surge. Thing when we walk through with the ain't no bar, dude. straight dog, we
3: bring the ain't scared of no bright lights. Prim- Welcome back to the Wide Ride right Podcast. I'm Manny Navarro, Miami Hurricane's beat writer for The Athletic. It is Monday, December 14th. It's 4 p.m. And uh, the Miami Hurricanes season, the regular season, has ended at 8-2 and after a uh, rather humbling loss to the North Carolina Tar Heels, 62-26 to on Saturday. And, um, you know, the Miami fan base is uh, a little bit in an uproar right now over the defensive effort because really I, I don't know if they played any defense on Saturday at all. They gave up a school record, uh, 7 million yards. Uh, in in uh, this loss Saturday. And so the fan base wants to get rid of Blake Baker. They said it's time to get rid of him. It's time to put Manny Diaz back in charge of the defense. And I thought, okay, we've reached a critical juncture in this season because people like Kirk, Kirk Street are saying things like, if Miami's effort continues this way, as it did in the first half of that game, that the Hurricanes lose all the equity, everything that they've accomplished from the first nine games of the season that it it means nothing. And so that's, those are big sort of statements. And, um, I know people, I know two people in particular who were on opposite ends of this argument. Uh, of course, Mike Zimmerman, my producer, who, uh, has co-hosted with me multiple times. He's on with us today. And then as well as Kelvin Harris, uh, former hurricane three time, uh, national champion, uh, center, from back in the uh, late late eighties, early nineties, who so we've had on here many times. So, gentlemen, uh, both of you, welcome uh, to the podcast. It feels like a big one today.
1: Yeah, I'll let I'll let uh, Kelvin kind of get his thoughts out there first. I'm very interested um, because there what there's not a lot to there's there's nothing really positive to say out of that game, but I am interested to see uh, Kelvin's or hear Kelvin's thoughts on. Uh, on that show, acting.
4: Yeah, Manny's not paying attention to you guys, uh, and he shouldn't. Um, I got, I got, I got friends who coach in every major, in every Division One, in every every Power Five conference, and the stuff that Manny said to you guys today in the press conference, uh, Manny, mm-hmm. about the mental fatigue that these kids had, mm-hmm. I'm hearing that from all of them. Now, it doesn't excuse what we did on Saturday. But um, there's nothing – I don't think Blake Baker or Manny Diaz or Bill Belichick has anything on the defensive call sheet or getting blocked, run over, and run by. And that's what happened on Saturday. Because North Carolina – and I, I told you this on the podcast that I did for Carolina when I previewed it. The first key to victory was stop the run. And I said, they run the same damn play all game long. They've been doing it all year. Notre Dame had the best strategy to stop it because their linebackers, the Yawuso kid is really good. And him and the other linebacker, um, I forget the kids. They do a good job of plugging the gaps on first down and forcing Carolina in the second and long. Carolina throws the ball, but they're just like us. They have to run the ball to throw the ball. The difference is Carolina's got some killers outside at the wide receiver position, and we don't. Now, our first play of the game, they run the play. And both the wheel and the mic, Bradley Jennings and uh, Zach McLeod get blocked. And I don't know where Frierson was this whole game because I didn't hear his name called. And they just ran through a gaping hole, and it just kept going and going, and it kept running the same play. And Blake changed up the technique because early in the game, um, Phillips was uh, spilling it. Or wrong arming it, meaning he was, um, his outside shoulder was going underneath the tackle, the puller, and forcing it outside. Then later on, that technique changed and he was forcing it back inside. Only problem was there's nobody there because they were all blocked. There's no nothing that Blake Baker, Manny Diaz, Jesus Christ could have done. They got their ass whooped. Now, Manny is defending the kids, and that's what a coach is supposed to do. Me as an alumni, I'm trying to put my head around how that shit happens because it never happened to me. And I know, you know, I played in unrealistic times because we just were different people. But we had a game like that in 98, the week before UCLA. When Syracuse put up 66 points, and we only scored three. Now, that was a little different situation because that team was fucking still 66 points. And I remember at the time, Luke and everybody else wanted to literally take and by his toes. Because it was, you know, but to his credit, he rallied the troops, and they came back and EJ had a great performance. Now, will this happen in the ball? I don't know. But for Herbstreet to say everything is lost, well, F him. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> he kept that politically correct. Look, these kids have come a long way. This team is a lot closer than we've been in a long time. And there's a good chance that most of these guys are going to come back. Because one, they know that a lot of them go up to the level that makes sense for them, and two, I think they feel somewhat disrespected. Now, um, I can't excuse what happened on Saturday to COVID because, like I said, a lot of my a lot of my friends are saying that their kids, you know, they're saying I'm I'm hearing this all over, we don't quite understand what, what's going on. And so I'm trying to give all of these teams the benefit of the doubt because I watch a lot of college football, and this has been the ugliest year ever. I mean, it's hard to watch a lot of teams. But some of the stuff I'm hearing, I was talking to Kevin Patrick last night. You know, he's at Florida Atlantic, and he was like, they just trying to get through the bowl game. He said, they went like 70 days before they played a the game, and the kids are just tired. And I've heard it out of the Pac-12. I've heard it out of Big 12. I've heard it out of the Big 10. But I can't give us an excuse. And But I guess I kind of understand. Now, everybody wants Blake to be fired because we gave up a bunch of yards. All right, let's take this performance out. Before this performance,
3: nobody was asking for his head. No, but I mean, people weren't happy with him. People were not happy with Blake Baker and, and the way the defense was playing. And just to take the ball back from you here for a minute, Kelvin, um, number one, and, and, and we're going to get to uh, to Mike's thoughts on all this, but number one, emotional exhaustion. It, it sounds like what my wife tells me 28 to 29 times a month uh, when we go to bed. I'm I'm emotionally exhausted, honey. Uh, it ain't happening tonight. And – for Manny Diaz to use that, I understand he's trying to explain what the kids were feeling. But in all reality, you can't talk out of both sides of your mouth. He also said that they were had a great week of practice and were focused and ready to go. Let's just be honest. Let's call it what it is. North, uh, North Carolina kicked Miami's ass in every way, shape, or form. Yes. No defensive adjustments were made. The linebackers from Miami whoa, whoa,
4: whoa, 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 whoa,
3: I'm No gonna adjustments were right right made because they no, didn't stop No, 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 I'm
4: going to stop you right there. there would, there's no adjustment he could have made. I don't think you understand what I'm saying. They ran one fucking play all damn game long, and they laid down like some prostitutes in a hotel room. Yeah, there's but isn't, nothing isn't, he could have done.
1: Isn't that the defensive staff's responsibility to somehow figure out a way, okay, shed these blocks somehow figure out how to shed these blocks no, maybe maybe, maybe drop really eight out. back so you're not getting beat at the line of scrimmage every single play isn't that the the defensive staff's responsibility to figure out how to stop that because uh, there were there were teams on North Carolina's schedule like who that. figured that out
4: it doesn't work like that when you're getting steamrolled like that it just doesn't happen now I will admit I have fortunately I haven't been in many of these. I had it happen to me one time when I was in the Arena League. I played um, the year before in Tampa. Tampa was the best team in the league. I didn't know anything about the Arena League. When I got this team, I was like, damn, they're good. And We win the championship. I leave early to go play in the Canadian League, but they won the championship. I left after the first week of the playoffs. All right, so the next year, uh, they had an expansion team in Houston. Um, so I ended up playing in Houston. I left the World League, and I played in Houston. So we played Tampa, the team I played before, the year before, like the second or third week. And I remember telling the coaches and the players, hey, these dudes is good. You know, you know the coach is this and this, and I'm trying to give them a scout report. And they're like, yeah, 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 man. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know. All right. so. It happens early on, they score one time, then they stop us, then they score again, and they stop us, then they score again. And I remember looking in the huddle around me, and the eyes, I had never seen it before. I had seen it in the huddles across from us. Like, you know, you're in the huddle, and you look over there, and you can, or you come up to the line of scrimmage, and you can look in them eyes, and you see it. It's a glazed look, and it's like, yeah, it's over. They about to get steamrolled. But I had never been in that huddle. And you're looking around and you're saying to yourself, oh, my God, I'm, I'm going to get steamrolled. And we got steamrolled. And it's like the coaches, there's nothing you can do. It's like when it happens, when it goes downhill, it goes downhill. I mean-
0: looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on Direct TV. Terms and restrictions apply.
3: Kevin, I understand that. When, when things go bad, things can, can look a lot worse than they really are. But I think we've been talking about how bad Miami's linebackers have looked all season. And we knew that that was a huge position of weakness. We also know the cornerbacks at times have gotten burned and looked really bad in coverage. So they got exposed in a really, really bad way. But I also think you can't have it both ways. You can't say, come out here and say, hey, well, we had a great week of practice and guys were fired up and, you know, we're wearing our shiny new uniforms and we're making changes. We're trying to make changes at halftime, but guys just weren't listening. It's like, that's, that's the inexcusable part. Like at a certain point, it happens every week. You have to sell out against the run. You get beat over the top, you get beat over the top. But the point is, it, it was like you said, the same play over and over and over again. And I think that's what no, shows more about Blake the Baker and Manny Diaz than anything else because it was the same play over and over again. Yeah, but that's the point you're missing.
4: They did try and make adjustments. We got blocked. That's what I are saying. No, you don't understand. They no. made adjustments. We got our ass whooped. Okay. Well, I don't think you guys understand something. It ain't the X's and the O's. It's the Jimmies and the Joe's. And they Jimmies stuck it in our Joe's mouth, and they continued to. And Matt Brown stuck it in Manny's mouth because he knew his players were, were were, were, on it, and ours wasn't. So, then
1: Kevin, let me ask you, what did Florida State and Virginia do who – beat North Carolina, what did they do? Because clearly they did something that Miami didn't do. Did.
4: It wasn't what they did. wasn't what they did. North Carolina pulled the Miami against Florida State. Now, the only difference is they woke up late in the game, but it was too late. But they pulled the Miami for two hours. Against Virginia. they just weren't interested. I watched that game. I was like, Wow, I mean, they literally just didn't show up, and well, I'm sure Mac Mac
3: Brown probably thought, "How this happened?" He so didn't know. 2020 has been a, a bad year, and I get it. Everybody's dealing with different things. Manny Diaz talked about it today. They had kids in quarantine for 14 days. He was in quarantine for 10 days. There is a it, there is an, an emotional exhaustion in the sense of hey, there's been a lot that they've gone through. But what's baffling and, and, and is scary is they reverted to what we saw last season. And that's what Manny said he saw on the field. He saw the kind of effort that he saw during last season when they went six and seven, where you're just like, this is an important game. You're supposed to show up and you don't. And that's the troubling sign from an overarching program perspective of that's what has people questioning is Manny Diaz the right coach for this job? Because not about Manny I understand that. I understand that, but I'm raising the point that people are feeling that way. And I guess in this podcast, I want to try to make sense of it all because I think you can't make sense of it. That's the part that nobody
4: understands that I get now because look, I've asked these questions many times from the outside. And what got me to understand was dealing with my high school. Cause you know, I love my high school. I don't think I could coach there because I just can't do. It. You know, I I have different philosophy, and I would look. It wouldn't work. But I try and help him out as much as I can, and help the kids out. But we would play a game. It's like two years ago, and I would ask my coach's daughter because their dad was my coach. I was like, well, why the hell did this and this and? And then there was always something that you and I don't see. It's like, well, you know, such and such. And such. You're like what and you send yourself damn that never gets out because it ain't supposed to it's a lot going on in this and most of these coaches nowadays i ain't just talking about um they playing Russian roulette every saturday because this generation of kid is like a field micro
3: knuckleball they all over the place because you know, we've talked about that on the show here, that, that, that these kids nowadays, they're on a different emotional scope. But, look, I think me personally, my opinion, it felt like they were feeling themselves a little bit after 48, right, no, 48 nothing it, went over Duke. I think, as, as Derek King said, I think a lot of those guys thought, well, we're just going to roll the helmet out here, which is what's happened to them in the past, why they look like the team that got their asses handed to them, because maybe they didn't respect North Carolina the way that they should have. Um, and I think in the long run, the deficiencies at cornerback, the deficiency at safety, the deficiency at linebacker, all of those are real problems, because you know what? It wasn't just exposed against North Carolina, it was exposed against Clemson. So what happens is they face superior talent, talent that's just as good, if not better than them, and they can't hang. And it like you said, it doesn't matter what the coaches do. The kids go out there. They don't execute what's being asked of them. They get their asses handed to them physically. So I think what we can take away from what we saw Saturday is let's stop the bullshit talking about this team being close to being a contender for national championship. And let's talk about the real problems that they have, which is recruiting. And Manny Diaz has been there for five years. And when you talk about the problems on the defensive end, those problems do belong to him. It's not like Mark Rick when Mark Rick was in charge of the quarterbacks and the offense and he had his son running things, and Manny Diaz came in and changed it to Dan Enos, and they changed the scheme, and they started recruiting different kind of players. This has been Manny's defense for five years, no matter what. You can't argue otherwise. The proof is the proof. He's been there five years running this defense, and he failed to recruit the kind of linebackers that you need to replace a Shaq Quarterman and a Michael Pinckney, and some of that has to do with the fact they didn't have spring football. They weren't able to get Corey Flagg and some of these guys, the extra reps that they need in the spring. But a lot of it still has to do with the fact that, hey, you know what? You still got to sign guys every single year. Same thing at cornerback. You're down to four scholarship cornerbacks. Why? Well, one of the kids decides to enter the transfer portal at the start of the season, and then another one, unfortunately, gets sick. Bottom line is you're down to four cornerbacks. You have to recruit at a better and higher level. And I asked you this off air before, Kelvin. I said, who are the three best players on Miami's defense? And what did you say?
4: I said um, uh, Phillips,
3: Mm -hmm. uh, Roche, and Bolden. All three guys, all three guys that they got through the transfer portal. Manny's strength is the transfer portal. And recruiting at Miami and other elite ACC schools – or Big Ten or wherever, you can get guys that go to Temple, that go to UCLA, that go to USC and don't work out. And then by the time they're juniors or seniors, they come to you and you can mold them and make them really successful. That's great. That's an added bonus of Manny Diaz's uh, success. You have to give him credit for that. Did a great job getting DeAir King. Him and Rhett Lashley did a great job bringing him in to plug holes. But the foundational problem here, in my opinion, is recruiting. And I know that they, Manny Diaz is trying to change that. And it's not easy to go from, you know, to take a bunch of true freshmen and just throw them out on the field and expect them to win. But I think part of the understanding of all this is you have to recruit at a higher level. And they've taken some kids in Manny's five years there that just haven't panned out. Wayman Steed had injury problems. But you know what? Even when he's come back and been healthy, how great has Wayman Steed been? Should you have given that kid a scholarship? I don't know. Same or thing actually, with, with Bradley or, 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 Jennings Jr. Yes, he's uh, had injuries. But should or, you have given Bradley Jennings Jr. a scholarship? Well, yeah, because Bradley Jennings was damn good out of high
4: school. And, you know, now I'm going to stop you because all what? y'all are talking about the side of y'all neck. First of all, every one of you, fans, the alumni the boost, the first thing y'all tell any coach, you got to go and get all the local players. What has Miami done?
3: They've gotten some local players, but they've missed the best okay, ones. Whoa, whoa, whoa,
4: whoa. They they've they've been in the hunt for all the players. Now, the problem is we don't pay. So let's just keep it real. Bama and Clemson are gonna get one or two guys because they're gonna buy them. It's that simple. And I can't get mad at any corner or wideout that goes to Alabama because the proof is in the pudding. They've been the draft. All right. Um he went out. He's got Leonard Taylor coming in. He's got James Williams coming in. Let's just say for whatever reason, Leonard Taylor, James Williams, don't work out. I don't want to hear nobody saying Manny didn't recruit.
1: No, But isn't that their job to develop them? Like we keep we keep thinking that it's just that they, they, they're supposed to end up at Miami and be good. Part of being a coach is developing these players. Did and we haven't seen anybody Gregory, develop.
4: Did he develop Gregory Russo?
1: I'm – Sure. I, I'll give okay. you that. Whoa, Who hold on.
4: What? No, 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 no. Who else? Yeah. Let's go over this. Let's see. Um Trajan Bandy, what that?
1: Trajan Bandy disappeared uh, his junior year.
4: That wasn't their fault. <laughs> I'm not going to get into that kid's personal life, but that wasn't their fault. If you look at the players, um the ones that stick to the program, do what they tell them to do, to Corey Couch. We haven't developed to Corey Couch.
3: Well, Calvin, mm-hmm. I, I think, look, you can, we can go down the roster, okay, and we can say have these kids met expectations. And I'm only going to do, do it from the junior class up because anybody who's a freshman or a sophomore, especially the sophomores, they didn't get enough time. There was no spring football this year. I can excuse that but let's look at the upperclassmen here and let's just go down the list. Let's go up down the list and say, where's Miami's player development? Jalen Phillips, without question, the weight that they put on that kid, the coaching up that they did, they took the former number one recruit in the country and made him a great player again. Kudos victory. Nesta Silvera junior four-star solid season. I'm going to say you pass him, right? He passed. He passed the test. Uh, Bubba Bolden, Transfer, good job. He tra- he, he's, he's passed the job. Even though he's been up and down all season, he's had some games that were rough. I'm still going to give him a, a good pickup. I'm going to call it a good pickup. Um, Al Blades Jr. How do you feel about Al Blades Jr.? I know he's sick now and he's out because of the myocarditis, but did Al Blades Jr. live up to the four-star ranking?
4: Al Blades is a safety, but he's, he's done pretty good. Yeah.
3: Okay, but I wouldn't call him a pass. I, I would say he's underperformed. I would say for, for what he was coming out of high school, he's, he's, he's kind of not lived up to the expectations. Whoa, 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 whoa. He didn't start his senior year. What
4: are you talking about?
1: No, I Al Jr. Blades?
4: He didn't start his senior year. Of high school? No, he didn't. Well, he was, they, he was they, rated they a four-star kid. Well, first of all, let's stop this. I don't take these rankings into account from a dude that didn't play no damn ball. So I don't want to hear all that shit about these rankings because they're being evaluated by guys – who couldn't even get a scholarship at Mountain Union.
1: So So then so then have, have all these players with a with a with a blank slate, right? What yeah. players have imp- what players have improved from their freshman season to a solid starter to their upper class season?
4: Jared not, Harrison Hunt.
1: I, I well, mean he's a sophomore, we, but not only that though, but we see a pop up what once a game, maybe?
4: Jared Harrison Hunt, if he yes. hadn't gotten hurt, he'd have about six sacks. Jared Harrison Hunt's gonna be a star. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, then you got guys who are just solid. Uh, Jakai is solid. You know what I'm saying? Corey's has done a good job. He's solid. Um, you know, what you guys are looking for is you're looking for everybody to be a first-round draft pick. It just don't work that
1: way. I you know want them to do their jobs, and we haven't seen that.
3: Yeah, but look, there's – We're 8-2. Eight eight two. Two. Listen, I, I they're 8-2, the and records. I understand that. But I think, I think the point is, Kelvin – you have to get to a certain point, right, with the with with the defense that in your fifth year, uh, that you've recruited enough talent, that you've brought in enough players, that you don't give up sixty two points and seven hundred and seventy eight yards of offense and five hundred more than five hundred yards rushing. Like what happened to them on Saturday is inexcusable. It, just it is. Inexcusable. You should not you should not be the head coach or the defensive coordinator at a school for five years. And have that happen to you. And that's where everybody has the pause. Now well, again, hold on, Wait a minute. Stop. Stop right there. It happens in the twelve every week. I lost It happens it in, in the big twelve said. every week. No, I, I understand that. But it shouldn't but it shouldn't happen at Miami if you're gonna be an elite program. It, it doesn't happen in Alabama. It doesn't happen at Ohio State. It, it doesn't at, happen whoa, whoa. at Classic. Whoa, whoa. It happened at Alabama. It
4: happened to Alabama against Mississippi in the second game of the year. And they won that game. But it happened. And Nick wasn't happy, but it happened.
3: We're there. That's, that's Manny Diaz calling you, isn't it? Now, I'm not. <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah, actually, he was texting me saying, fire that guy. <laughs> no, but look, look, I don't want you guys to think that I'm happy about what happened. I'm not happy about what happened. But what, what you guys and everybody is, everybody wants to quickly blame the coaches. And yeah, Bad coaching is one thing. We don't – we're not horrible. Now, do I agree with everything you do defensively? No. But then again, the tough part for me is everybody do this dumb shit. It's different football. It doesn't make sense to me, but it's the way football is going. But I'm going to say this. As a player, as a player, I should never have to have somebody motivate me to go out and get ready to play for a chance to play in the Orange Bowl. Or I'm going to use another team. If I'm the Florida Gators and I've got a chance to be in the playoffs, all I got to do is whoop a team that ain't got a quarterback, ain't got receivers, and ain't got no DBs, but I lose to them at home? That I, I don't get that. I, I don't understand it. But these kids are different now. If this happens again, I'm be like, hey, hold on, no, come on, man. <laughs> but that's the thing.
1: Again. This wasn't a one-off. This was the same the same themes all season. It's just the two teams who were able to make Miami or were able able to punish Miami did the the rest of their teams, the rest of Miami's opponents didn't even have a winning record. And if and if Miami played better teams, and the ACC was a little better this season, their record would show it. But because the sh- their strength of schedule and their opponents were, let- let's face it, below average this year, they were all able Our to get away state, with oh, these Oh,
4: Zimmerman, Zimmerman. Our of schedule is better than Ohio State. So what are you saying?
1: Well, Ohio State's played five games and the- Ohio State is also WHO, the WHO, WHO, WHO top 10 team. WHO, 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 WHO Ohio beat, State beat, beat, beat Indiana. Who says Indiana's... Oh,
4: okay, Indiana... Credit, beat the teams they beat. But
1: who in the Big Ten is good? Uh, uh, but again, I'm not, we're not comparing Miami to Ohio State. Just look at Miami's schedule. Look at Ohio State's schedule. But Ohio State has the talent, and they've proven it year after year. That's they, the difference. We, we've you know, seen you know, Ohio you know, State's talent, and we've seen their coaching staff able to win 10, 11 games year in and year out. In the Big Ten? But then when they get in the playoffs, what happens? They get Peter Rowe.
4: Now, last year, to their credit, they played a pretty good ball game. But before last year and that one anomaly in 2014, they got the ass whooped because Ohio State is in a conference with no athletes, and they're the only one with athletes. And then they got another team with athletes, Michigan, but there's some straight frauds. Wisconsin, frauds. Listen, I'm not trying to say we're the best team in the country by no means. This is not as bad as you people say it is. Because, look, you these kids are fighting ghosts. They ain't us. They ain't going to never be us. Now, can we maybe win a championship in the next five years? It's possible. But, look, Saturday was ugly. Yes. Now, if it happens, if it happens to happen in the bowl game, yeah, there's going to be some problems. I don't think it's going to happen in the bowl game because these kids like each other, which is something that I don't, I can't say that they did the last two or three years. There was a lot of, a lot of personalities, a lot of different uh, agendas. They've been through a lot. Now, did they feel themselves? Yes, they did. But part of the problem is everybody else. Cause as soon as kids, at our school, get good. Cousin Jimmy's coming around talking about, man, you should got more playing time. Then you got your mom and your daddy and your uncle. You know, maybe you should leave early. I mean, you look good against Duke. Then you got the agents. Then you got the press. Man, that guy looks good. So, yeah. I, and I tell Garrett Justice this all the time. I said I don't worry about these kids when y'all lose because they're going to rally the troops. It's when y'all win is the problem. Because you got every back patter in the South Florida area coming around, trying to try and get credit, and to be front and center with these kids.
1: Wait, so, wait, here's another thing that goes back to coaching. If Miami had recruited enough depth at these positions, these players would be able to leave after the junior year every year, and they'd have somebody and enough backup and enough depth to handle that. Every other top program in the country is able to do that.
4: We were on probation. We still aren't at strength with our scholarship. then. come on. No, no, Why? seriously. Seriously. Uh, we took a hit with that Nevin Shapiro thing. USC is just, well, no, I take that back. They haven't got the full strength with scholarships. That's a tough situation. The problem that's been hurting us is, is that the peanut gallery has been convincing kids to leave early when they shouldn't leave early. That's the biggest detriment to a, to a college football program's depth When you have two or three guys who should come back for an extra year, leave early to go end up working at UPS because they listen to the wrong people, they get drafted late, they may get one or two weeks on the practice squad, and then they out. Okay, this may be the year that they don't fall for the banana in the tailpipe and you get guys coming back and the depth stacks. So Look, I, I,
3: mean, I, I agree. They need, they need players to stick around. All the points that you made are, are, are valid in the sense of they need players to stick. They need, they need to give this coaching staff more time to recruit the kind of players they want, especially on the offensive side of the ball where they've made changes. But I think foundationally, we also have to acknowledge that there's been recruiting misses. And guys haven't worked out because they've recruited some of the wrong kids here. And some of those kids have left. Some of those kids have left on their own accord. And Manny needs to do more of that. There are more guys on this defense in particular that shouldn't be playing here. And I can tell you from my conversations with people in the recruiting department at Miami that completely agree. Players that they've taken aren't Miami type of guys. And so they need to get those guys out. And what losing to Clemson and losing to North Carolina proved is that Miami is nowhere near ready to compete with the big boys. They just aren't. And if Derek King leaves, they're going to need to find a quarterback who's going to do the same things he did, which was pull out wins at NC State, pull out wins against Pittsburgh, pull out wins against Virginia, Um, because they're still not where they need to be on the offensive line. They still don't have the elite playmakers at wide receiver. So to me, we can see here. Hmm? The biggest
4: part of offense is the the wide receivers. I mean, I got to be honest with you. If we had better if, – if we would have, like, just say we just had Armand Richards and you and Zimmerman playing, we would be a better team because Armand Richards, a guy like Armand Richards, would force teams to not stack the, the box. And that's the biggest problem we've had this year, the number count. They're putting too many people in the box. They're selling out on first down. Because they don't respect D. Wiggins and Mark Pope. I mean, I hate to call out kids' names, but it is what it is. D. Wiggins is 6'3", 195, but he plays like he's 5'10", 175. And until that changes, until we – well, I'll say this. I'll say this. You you got to do one, two things. You got to go do what Clemson does and go get you a 6'4 dude that can go get it in 50-50 or you got to go do what Alabama did the last three years and go get you a bunch of gazelles and greyhounds. I think we're on the other path, the Alabama path, because Rashard Smith, uh, the Brinson kid, and Malik Curtis, they're going to – and Keyshawn Smith, they're going to change – they're going to force teams to play us differently. And once you see more speed, just raw speed and game-breaking ability in the slot and in and on a, at the X position, you'll see teams play us differently and you'll see different results in the running game. Um, Mike Harley?
3: I hope you're right, but I got a feeling that we're going to be sitting here three years from now saying, well, the best receiver in town got away, went to Alabama, Ja'Cory Brooks. You know, like, I have a feeling that's what we're still going to say. And maybe fans have to just be patient and take Romelo Brinson and Jacoby George and Bashard Smith as victories over where they're at now. And where where they're at now, in all honesty, when you look at that receiver group, I mean, it's just bad. They're bad at that position. It's just nowhere near what it needed to be. Mike Harley doing what he's done as a senior, that's what you expect out of a kid like Mike Harley. You know what's a senior year to
4: really develop. You know what's funny is – 'Cause I'm in all these these people put me in all these Facebook fan groups. And you know, I and I'm not and I'm not letting y'all off the hook. Any of y'all, because when we signed Mark Pope, everybody was like, Yeah,
3: yeah, he, they won a battle. He signed hey, the That wasn't me. I wasn't covering the team then.
4: Well, well, what I'm saying is the fan base, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, everybody wants two ways. Well, hey, look. They went out, and they've done what you wanted them to do. And to be honest with you, I respect them for trying to keep as many kids from the backyard home. But if it was me, I wouldn't recruit any linebackers from South Florida. Now, the Byzantine kid from uh, Miami Central is going to be a problem. He's going to be good. The the T2 kid, I mean, I get get people, you know, they're saying, hey, you know, the kid is um the kid is is great. I, I saw somebody comparing him to Willie Williams. I was like, you need to have your mouth washed off or, or your fingers cut off or even writing that because they're not even in the same category. Um, you know, you know, fans wanted both ways when when they had Tim Burns and Jacory Hammett committed. Everybody was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then when they, they told him, hey, look, y'all got to to go somewhere else. And when they told Savion Smith, you got to go somewhere else, it's like, man, how could you do to the local kid? Well, they weren't good enough. So you can't have it both ways either. You can't tell them to sign every local kid. And then when they make business decisions that Nick Saban makes every damn year, y'all getting upset and you want to boycott, oh, we're
3: going to send our kids somewhere else. No, this uh, is a look. business. I think, I think what happens is, look, you're having growing pains with this, pro- with this program, Kelvin, and we're, we're going to have to get to some questions here from the fans because I opened it up to, to people on Twitter. But I think what we need to say here also is, again, and, I, and I've said this a couple times already, program is not where it needs to be. And Saturday was a reminder of where that is in terms of certain position groups and talent. I think defensive line, they've got a good group of kids there. I think tight end. You got some playmakers. You got Will Mallory. Uh, You you got uh, other guys behind them. The freshman class is coming in. Receivers should be getting better with this next class. I don't know if the last one that they signed is going to be that great, but we'll see. Um, Running backs, you feel good about Jalen Knight and Don Chaney Jr., but quarterback still remains a question mark. Hopefully they sign Jake Garcia, and hopefully him and Tyler Van Dyke are as good as as we've been told that they're going to be. Uh, linebacker certainly there's no five stars on this roster you got to hope that Corey Flagg turns out to be better than, than what he is and then Avante Williams James Williams um, the guys that they've got in the secondary Isaiah Dunson who they stole from Florida State all, those kind of guys those guys have to emerge and reach another level that nobody on this roster right now that was originally recruited to Miami by Manny Diaz or anybody on the previous staff has been able to get players because let's face it there are no superstars on this roster they just aren't Jalen Phillips is probably as close as you get to an NFL a legitimate NFL first rounder Gregory Rousseau he was the he was on this team he would have been he's certainly going to be a first rounder but the rest of the guys right now there's nobody there really isn't Revin Jordan look I like Revin Jordan he's a good player but he's not a first round pick he's not Jeremy Shockey he's not uh any of these dudes that came before him that that went to the NFL and did big things he's just not I
4: he's a nice
3: player. He could potentially be a a great player one day. But
4: I disagree. If he would have stayed healthy this year, he would have gone, he would have been probably. I think the thing that's gonna hurt him in, in the draft process and why he should come back is one, the injury history, and two, he's not six four, he's not Kyle Pitt size. But let me tell you something. He answered a question for me on Saturday. Because one of the questions I had for him is, could he create separation? It was route running. That touchdown he scored, in the NFL, he's going to be a problem. Because you can't put
3: – It was 41-10 to 10 when he scored that touchdown.
4: doesn't matter. That, I'm, not, that,
3: saying, I'm it, not saying he doesn't have the talent to play at the next level. But no, no, no. I, dude, think, I think the number one thing all of these kids have to do, okay, is stop listening to everybody around them telling them how great they are and look at Saturday's result against North Carolina and look at themselves in the mirror and say, that's who I am. Because until that guy stops showing up, until the 62 to 26 guy stops showing up, the 42 to 17 guy stops showing up, that's who you are. You got to wear that around your neck until oh, those agree. things
4: disappear. I agree. Well, I, I will say this. If I'm Jalen Phillips, I'm still looking in the mirror saying, hey, I'm Jalen Phillips. <laughs> because he made a play in that game. He made a play in that game that, you know, I get why there'll be some intrepidation by Scouts because of his history. But he made a play in that game uh, where he had outside contain. But he went inside because he saw the back was going to take it inside. The back saw him go inside and went outside. He used his leverage and went back outside, redirected, and forced him back inside you don't understand how good of a play that is because
3: look, he, he, he has that ability to be a first round talent. He was the number one high school player in the country for a reason. Like East those plays dudes who get tab number one high school player in the country. Usually those aren't misses. Usually everybody, there's enough people who see those guys and say, yeah, he's legitimate.
4: Um, well, I, I think the thing here is I get that we got our ass whooped, but let's just not get it twisted. These guys are, you know, there's certain guys in the team that have played good, and we have progressed. Now, were we, you know, are we national title uh, contenders this year? No, but we took a step. Now, I'll say this: if King comes back, it's a whole another conversation next year. The energy is going to be different. The coach and staff's expectations going to be different. The players' expectations going to be different because if he comes back, he's the best player in college football.
3: And, and who on defense stops Alabama?
1: Not even that. Well, who on defense is going to step up after Quincy Roche and Jalen Phillips are gone? Because we haven't seen any of these young guys besides to Corey Couch make some steps and say, we're going to, you know, he's going to develop. He's going to take a next step next year. At, Anybody at, off, at, on the offense really hasn't. The the young freshman running backs, Cheney and Knighton, have kind of tailed off as the season went on. Actually, Harvey
4: and um, Williams have done pretty good. Now, they're not the pass rusher. That Jalen Phillips is, but they've been solid. Um Corey Fleck will be the middle linebacker next year. I mean, he would have been the middle linebacker at the end of this year if COVID hadn't stepped in. I think with a full spring, Sam Brooks continues to make the progressions. And then Austin Cave and Aubrey and um Huff with a with a um with a full spring. I think you'll see them step up. I mean, I don't know. I, I just pray that Al is able to come back. Now, now man, your brother had, you said your brother had myocarditis and it took him, how long did it take him to get, get out of that?
3: Well, he was in the hospital for two weeks and uh, you know, when he got, when he went home, you know, he took him a couple of years before he could really start exercising again and felt confident in himself, you know, where he, wasn't exhausted or, or tired, but my brother wasn't an athlete like Al, Al Blades is. So,
4: yeah, they're, they're telling Al three months. Um, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna say this I don't think he'll be full strength until maybe first, second week of the season. Because, mm-hmm. if it's three months, of what we're talking, what like, uh, January, February, March, so he's not gonna be able to run until what April,
3: right. <laughs> Yeah, he'll be he'll be coming back hopefully by spring football. So
4: well, there's gonna be they're probably they're probably gonna get a transfer. I I can see them trying to go after a transfer point. Mm. Um but the spring, I hope that we're able to get a full spring in because that's gonna mean a whole lot of difference in where we go into next season. Because if we have a full spring all the guys that you guys are talking about developing, that's where it happens at, those 15 practices. Actually, to be honest with you, these bowl practices are going to be key too because those are like a second spring that nobody really pays attention to, which is why coaches pushed so hard for six and six to be uh, the the starting point to get a bowl invitation because – You know, you see a lot of times coaches get fired during bowl season, you know, with the six and six record. But the thing is, you still get to practice 15 practices. So, you know, you you hire the new coach and then he gets to see and evaluate the talent. So I'm glad that Manny gave the kids a week off because they do need to just get all of that. Whatever that was Saturday out of their system, and they need to recharge the batteries. But when they come back, it needs to be balls to the wall to win this bowl game so that you people can shut the hell up because this is crazy. If look, first of all, nobody and I look, I I was looking at this earlier. Nobody, none of the fans thought we're gonna beat North Carolina to begin with, beginning of the season. So you're telling me we're eight and two. And we lost to the two teams that you thought we were gonna to lose to. Okay. So if we win the bowl game and go nine and two, and we sign one of the top ten classes in the country, if you'd have told ninety-eight percent of you guys that before the beginning of the season, y'all to have took that.
1: Yeah, but that's oh, not you... how development works, Kelvin. And you know what, records don't do that how you play and and they bear, they could have easily lost against NC State, Pittsburgh, Virginia, Virginia Tech without Dierick King. They would have lost those games. And so you can't continue to hang your hat on one guy who transfers in to win you those games because when he leaves, they're not going they don't have that anymore.
4: Well, so you're saying we can't count these games because Dierick King did transfer. All right.
1: No, I'm not so, saying don't count them. I'm just saying you can't consider you can't take into account all this progress that is made when it's hung on the shoulders of one guy. You know what? Gene Chiswick would, would would disagree with you on that. I mean, Cam Newton is completely different than than King. Let's let's be real. I mean, honestly, yeah, because Cam Newton was the number one pick in the draft,
4: but I knew it's one of the
1: greatest college players of all time, Kelvin.
4: He but look, what I'm saying is dear King, when you look around this, when you look around college football, there aren't very many players that can put a put a team on their back and carry. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Sam Howell. Dear King.
1: Who else? The, the difference is the other three guys have much more talent around them and on their team where if they have an average game they'll still win games um and Miami needs De'Aaron king to have a uh, an excellent game in order for them to win because if he doesn't they don't win
4: uh you know what I, i'm not going to disagree with that because to be honest with you you know you guys talk about recruiting misses i't I, I can't i'm not gonna necessarily put it on the coaching i don't know what it is but number eight just ain't it ain't number eight and number six it just ain't they've tried everything listen last year they had the damn wide receiver coach's wife tutoring number six i mean you know when you guys say develop these guys are going above and beyond the call of duty
3: Look, they're trying they get paid to, they get paid to 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 make those guys better but the point is if they don't get better then you just have to call it what it is. It's a recruiting miss. Those guys did not develop the way that you wanted. And so, look, the the guys on offense, they're the guys on offense. They were recruited by a different coaching, different wide receiver coach, two years removed. Because this is the, not even the last guy recruited those guys. It was the one before that. Um, it, it's the things on defense that on Saturday stuck out, and that's what I was trying to make the point of that there's still – the linebacker recruiting was just a failure. Let's just call it what it is. It was a failure. They did not – they were unable to bring anybody else in while Shaq and Pickney were here that you felt like, oh, shit, they're getting the job done. Those guys are ready to be replaced. And that's what was exposed Saturday against North Carolina and certainly against Clemson. Those guys couldn't get off of blocks. Those linemen were coming down the field, hitting the linebackers, and Bradley Jennings Jr. and Zach McCloud were getting shoved around like nothing. And and it's just and it's just embarrassing. It's thoroughly embarrassing that you you recruited that poorly that that position was exposed as badly as it was. Well and then it,
4: oh, I'm gonna say this. You know, they went out and they tried. Look, they put every effort into getting just the floor. Didn't work out. All right. But when you or the, the, the couple of years before, when you're going into a five-star recruit linebacker's house and saying, yeah, um, we got a middle linebacker, but we still want you. I mean, in this day and age, in this ego-driven age, you really think a kid, you start from day one. Well, it's a lot, it's a lot, harder.
3: It's a lot harder to do that when you go six and seven and seven and six. I get it. I mean, that's, that's the reality of it. You suck that bad. and you're you're that irrelevant for 15, 16 years, it's hard to recruit at an elite level. But still, you had Shaq and Pickney, right? You had two guys that were the leaders of their team. You should be able to convince somebody else to say, hey, you know what, I'll sit for a year, and I'll develop into the guy that you need. And they just didn't get the job. Man, you're the
4: guy who told me that – hold on.
1: You're the guy who told me all these kids are egomaniacs. Do you know how asinine that sounds? But again, it comes back to the thing, which – I, I hate comparing Miami to other programs, but at every other top program, you have guys sit their freshman and sometimes even sophomore years. All these five stars, and, and, these, top, and, the, and these top recruits. Whereas we're you're talking, talking about, about Miami, where they don't want to come to Miami. You, That's because they're not winning.
4: About, you're talking about it, Alabama, but let me let me let me let me tee you in on something, Alabama. This is Nick Saban's philosophy. I'm going to go out and get as many five star guys every year. Half of them are going to leave after the first year.
1: But I'm just going to go out and get more. So what? It's working, right, Kelvin? Why, why, you know, what's the problem with that? Well, you know what? Because it hey. is, isn't the head coach's job to bring as much talent to the program as possible? Well, no, no. I,
4: I agree it's working, but I'm not going to – I mean, look, these guys aren't sitting around saying we just want to recruit. Three-star guys. No, there's some certain variables here. And yeah, losing has something to do with it. But look, let's just call it spade a spade. Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, they playing by different rules. It is what it is. I mean, when Nick Nick Saban recruited a kid who remained nameless, he brings the kid over, he throws the rings up and he tells him, Hey, this is what we're gonna do for you. Uh you go to Alabama school. It's number Benz is in the parking lot, other players. Put two and two together. If we give a kid a meal at prime 112, we're going on probation. So going into this, you know right away that it's a different ball game. So you got to recruit around that. Now, we do have some positives. We got the water. We got these bad Colombian chicks. You know, we got the, the sunshine. You know, Rick Ross, Luke. hey, you know, we got some positives. But, you know, you you do what you can. Now, this year, I I mean, you guys are saying he's not recruiting. I don't hear anybody giving him credit for what we got coming in.
3: Why is that? Oh, yeah. No, listen, because I'm I'm trying to talk about what happened in Saturday's game and what they got exposed. I'm not saying they haven't done a better job with this recruiting class coming up, okay? This recruiting class coming up is a lot better than what they've signed in the past. But I guess what I'm also saying is – if Manny's been here for five years, he's recruited the players on defense that gave up those 778 yards and 62 points, which, by the way, is the third most points in school history, okay, those 62 points. Um, yeah. And so, to me, this this he has to wear this as much as he wears FIU loss, the, yeah. the loss to Duke, you know, the loss to, uh, uh, what's it called, uh, ooh, Louisiana ooh. Tech in the bowl game, all of that stuff, you got to wear it. And you gotta and you gotta wear that the same way you wear those brand new black shiny uniforms that everybody's so excited and giddy about, you know. I, I'm like,
4: gonna be honest with you, I was a little disappointed. Like, look, here's the other thing that 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 I've had the tough time coming to agree with. We're cash cow. Adidas gave us look. We are the sexy girl with the big breasts and the fat ass and. Our pimp is going to make us wear the short skirt and the except sixes. Except
3: we're now that girl who's 50 years old, because she don't look like she did back when she was in her late 20s, early 30s. Yeah, but you know what? <laughs> you, know, you know what the crazy part about it is? Even though we're 50, it's still a bunch of
4: 23-year-olds that like, looking at our ass. And Adidas knows yeah, this. They, they
3: flip on the old VHS tape and look, look at the porn from 20 years ago. That's what they're looking at. Hey, hey that was some good porn, though. <laughs> <laughs> but look, look. I'm
4: a, I am mean, I'm trying not to be the old funny guy. But I was a little disappointed that you came out on senior day. First of all, why are you wearing nighttime uniforms for a 330 game? That makes sense. And I get that you're trying to excite the kids. I know the kids are different and everybody wants to try this uniform stuff. But why could we just come out in the regular orange and white for senior day and do it like that? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I think a lot of these programs um create their own problems. I will give Nick Saban this. I've yet to see Alabama in any alternative uniform.
0: Requires high speed internet connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on direct TV terms and restrictions apply.
3: That's because they show up and kick your ass, whether they're wearing blouses or uniforms. I mean, they just
4: do. Listen, I'm going to say, say this though, that dude's had a great run, but every run has a, has a, has it, it comes to an end and you know, he needs to send a check to Kevin Sumlin because his shit was about to come to an end. But Kevin Sumlin's dumbass didn't want to take Jalen Hurts and he pretty much extended Nick's run another four years. Because they didn't have a quarterback.
3: Didn't have a quarterback. Well. Jalen Hurts wanted to go to A and Him and his daddy sitting, got We're sitting here on a Miami podcast talking about Alabama. that's how
1: That's what it comes down
3: to.
4: Well, hey <laughs> man, look, look, Alabama, you know, you gotta give that guy credit. I mean I would has, hope so. <laughs> he has, but, but but you know, the funny part about it is, and, and this goes back to what we're talking about, like on Twitter about fire Blake Baker. The reason why Nick Saban and Bill Belichick uh, are winning and when Wade Phillips was at the Rams is because they still do fundamentally sound football things. The problem I have when I watch not just – college but pro football and sap if you guys you know on instagram you follow sap on mondays usually sap will have cut-ups of bad defensive football not in college but in pro and the thing that's just so disturbing is how unfundamentally sound top-notch pro players are and it, and it goes down into the college ranks. And it's because, you know, everybody's trying to be a guru now. That's why I kind of appreciate what Tennessee is doing in the pros. They're just doing fundamentally sound football stuff. Buffalo, fundamentally sound football stuff. Now, you know, you know we talk about Blake and, you know, let's just, all right, let, let's do this. Let's just say we lost this game fifty-one
3: forty-four. Will we be having this talk right now? If they still rolled up seven hundred yards of offense, it's
1: fifty-one points
3: is still fifty-one points, too.
4: Okay, but in the Big Twelve, and wait a minute, in the SEC this year,
3: um, it's become normal. So, well, I'm just I, I would say I would say yes, Calvin, because even after they beat. NC State, what was it, forty four, forty one in that shootout? Was that the final score of that game? It yeah, it was in the forties. Yeah, we were still talking about Blake Baker that week and the defense, and is is Blake Baker a problem? So yes, well, I think well, we, we would. a question, Manny. Did you pay attention to what
4: Diaz said to y'all today? Of course I did. One of you guys asked him what uh, I guess about the, um, I guess the the game planning,
3: and what did he mm-hmm. say? Yeah, it was Gary Furman. Yep. Yeah. Now, what did he say? He says that they do it collectively together. They sit there. It's all done together. Look, yeah. I, it, I understand. I, he Blake Baker is going to get yelled at, and I'm not saying Blake Baker needs to be fired. That's not – I'm not saying any of those things. What, what I'm saying is, again, the, my argument is this whole emotional exhaustion, this whole, you know – all of those other excuses, like, yo, your linebackers suck. You did a bad job recruiting linebackers, and you got no, no, no. exposed. I think
4: eight, the linebackers are bad. The linebackers are bad. The, but, well, let me say this. The starters are really bad. Number 11 is going to be really good. Number 6 has got potential. 17 is serviceable. 18 and 9
3: we don't know because they can't even get on the field.
1: But the fact that what you're saying now at, a, at what's supposed to be a top-level program, that's sad. Yeah, that's man. That's so like, sad. When
3: you got Ray Lewis and Michael Barrow and all these dudes who you, know, you recruited at such a high level, it's sad. And, but, and not, look, but
1: listen, not, not, even, not even talking about the greatest Hurricanes linebackers of all time. What about having a, one of the best teams in the ACC? You can't have linebackers like that at just a, a top-level ACC team, let alone a national championship contender.
3: Yeah, yeah. even you, you had you had better guys. I mean, Denzel Perryman, Sean Spence, um, even you know Randy's time when he was here. You you, you had uh, the position like it just you didn't recruit well. They just have to admit it. We have not recruited linebacker well. We got to do a better job. And that's why so many the linebackers. Let me ask you
4: a question. Over the last 10 years. We've had some really good linebackers. I'm just going to go to the last 10 years. Um, This is an anomaly year. Yeah. They're bad. <laughs> Sometimes it happens. I mean, there's recruiting gaps. You got a situation where you got a bunch of young stud kids who could be good, but mm-hmm. they have no experience. You have a, a natural disaster that comes along once literally in a lifetime that cuts down your development of the young
1: talent. But everybody in
3: the country's dealt with this, Calvin. Well, have you watched defensive football this year? No, defense across the country is bad. Calvin, listen, your, your point of scoring going up, faster offenses, numbers. But I, I guess, again, for fifth year of Manny Diaz, this is the end of his fifth season, right? Because he's been with the program three with, with, with Mark Gregg and two as the head coach. Yeah, This is his fifth season, and that, to me, is a more damning – of all the things that, that have affected this program, how bad they've recruited linebackers, and the fact that they got embarrassed to that scale is one of the bigger black marks on Manny's career here because he coached the linebackers, he recruited the linebackers, and he so, failed so to question. get the let job me, done.
4: Let me ask you a question. If this time next year Corey Flagg is up for all ACC, uh and, and And Sam Brooks, no, okay, let's back this up before before he got hurt, what did you think of Sam Brooks?
1: I didn't think he was that good, to be honest. I, I, I think he, I thought he short, was a kid short, yeah, short potential, but uh, I, uh, not enough for kid. me to actually believe
3: in him. He was a kid who had one good game against Louisiana Tech at the end of last season, who you had your fingers crossed, hoping that he could turn into a good linebacker because he had speed, but you also knew in the back of your mind that he was a converted pass rusher from high school, because all he did as a, as a in high school was rush the quarterback. Yeah. So, you know, I saw it as a guy that shouldn't probably be on the field his first or second year, but you now had that no I, choice because that, of how that, bad you recruited the position previously.
4: That I agree with, that he really probably shouldn't be starting. But, look, let's, let's just be honest. The biggest failure here isn't the recruiting of the linebackers. It's the, it's what Zach McLeod has done this year. Because the reason why they redshirted Zach McLeod and why he wanted to redshirt is because he wanted to come back and be the leader and this and that. Well, after about two practices in spring, and then we get into the fall camp, it was evident to the staff that he couldn't play Mike Linebacker.
1: But, is, but, but shouldn't that be the staff's – responsibility to prepare like we don't know if he can let's make sure we have a backup plan if it doesn't work out like we're we're making all these excuses the backup plan was
4: bradley jennings now hey (laughs) look you you play with the hands you're dealt but But honestly but
1: they they made this hand that's the thing they made this hand it's not like they were given this to to, by somebody from a previous staff
3: that was those were manny's recruits he can't hide from that Kelvin, it's one thing to say the offense sucks, the receivers suck. You know, we need to get uh, this staff to recruit their own receivers. We need Rhett Lashley to recruit his own quarterback. You know, we need the staff that's here now to recruit their own players. That's, That's completely understandable on the offensive side of the ball. And Manny Diaz deserves a ton of credit for making the right decision to switch offensive coordinator and offensive line coach and everything else that he did. Kudos. He did the right thing. Okay, he could have sat there like Al Golden and been stubborn about it. But at the same time, too, he's also got to take the flip side of it for, for the slippage that the defense has had. Because let's face it, it's not just Saturday. It's, it's been in a lot of places this season. They've had three games where they've given up more than 500 yards. And, yes, they only have two losses. But let's also go and acknowledge the fact that their wins this season, they're over two winning teams. Pittsburgh, when they face them with their backup quarterback, and NC State when they faced them with their backup quarterback. That's it. They didn't face, uh, you know, some elite quarterback who they, they beat. They lost to Trevor Lawrence and they lost to Sam Howell, the two best quarterbacks that they faced. And then they faced backups and still gave up a ton of yards and still were in a dogfight. And so to me, again, we, we've been at this for over an hour now. Um, it's the linebackers that, that, to me, you have to say, Manny Diaz, you failed there. You failed, well, and you got to do better.
4: If you want to say they failed, yeah. But what I'm saying is, when they went into the staff meeting, they were saying, "Well, we got Zach McLeod. we got a three-year starter coming back, and me, you, everybody thought Zach was going to come be the emotional and physical leader of the team." And look, I don't like uh, how you know pointing these things out about. 21-year-old kids, but he has been – I mean, it is what it is. He has been an utter disappointment, and I'm going to say – I'm not putting words in their mouth, but if you were to put a gun to everybody on the defensive staff's head, they would – and, tell, look, you're going to tell me the truth or I'm going to blow your brains out. They would tell you that they are so disappointed in Zach McLeod, and if they really if, – if, 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 if they could, because technically – kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place, they would play Sam Brooks the whole game and they wouldn't play Zach. Because that's how bad he's played at times.
3: And Why not just you know, do that now? What do you got to lose? I would play Corey Flagg and Sam Brooks the whole bowl game. I wouldn't play those other dudes.
4: Man, let me tell you something. There's something about this coaching thing, man. It's, it's ebb and flow. It, that's a delicate situation. I think what you've noticed them do is they've tried to balance the – um playing time because I think you know, Jimmy Johnson would have done it a little different, I'll be honest with you. Jimmy was was a killer. He was treacherous. I mean, he probably would have have set Zach down. I know he would have because he's played, and, and you know what? There's been a couple of press conferences you had with Blake Baker where he's come out and he's danced around a question. I remember one time he said, well, you know, I just gotta do a better job of getting Zach to just, you know, go with his instincts. That's code word for it. man. He can't read. He read holes like Ray Charles. I mean, he's just bad. And but, you know, you don't want to put really young, two really young linebackers out there, even when you're not playing the greatest of talent.
1: But they, Look, they, I, I, they, they can't do any worse than what they're doing now. And shouldn't Manny Diaz and Blake Baker be making coaching decisions, not only for the betterment of the team, but coaching for their jobs? Man, he's not getting fired. He went what are you talking about? Okay, I'm not saying this season. I'm saying because if they don't develop Sam Brooks or Corey Flagg at the middle linebacker position because they were stubborn on on keeping Zach McLeod but, in there, but and, they and next played. year they don't develop, that's on him.
4: But they have played all those guys. If you if you watch our games, they play a lot of young kids. I agree, and
1: there's no development there. That's the whole point, Kelvin. There's, what no, do you mean development there's no development in the linebacker position.
4: You're talking about Sam Brooks and Corey
1: Flagg. That's correct. Bradley Jennings Jr. No, we haven't seen a linebacker step up and say, "We know what we have next season from this guy."
4: Corey Flagg's gonna be good. Well, we don't know that. He played good for the most part. The last two, three weeks – no, 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 seriously. See, this is the part – Manny, you know, you guys used to go to practice, right?
3: Yeah.
4: They never – they kind of cheated y'all because I don't think y'all truly understand when you miss practice how important practice is. Now I'm on to the Allen Iverson thing. We talk about practice. Listen, you're talking about kids who've been quarantined who – you can't get it done with zoom practice. You know what I'm saying? You, maybe you can do that in the pros, but we're talking about 18, 19 year old kids who need repetition. Now when Corey flag, before he got into the uh, COVID, he was progressing at a great pace. Same thing with Sam, Sam Brooks was progressing, but then you go into this situation where you don't, you don't practice two weeks. Then before that you were in COVID. I mean, that's why I say this This whole year, not just for our program, for a lot of these programs, I just hope that all these college programs can get a full spring in, and then we evaluate all these programs next year. Because this – I commend every coaching staff, because some of the stuff that my friends have been telling me, and I'm not talking about UM. I'm talking about these other places. You know, how, I, I get how difficult it's been. Now, I'm not trying to, to give them a pass for that horse shit ass performance because and and I keep saying this, that falls on the player. I mean the biggest part that I have a problem with with this generation is motivation. I mean you know not just at our program but even at the other programs around the country back then you was afraid to get hurt. Me and Lamar talk about this all the time. You was afraid to get hurt because you might not get back on the field.
3: And you know why that was? Because Jimmy Johnson recruited eight guys behind no, you that no, could all I'm start. To, I'm just talking about here. I'm talking about everywhere. It's and and like, and
1: then, and then I, that comes back to the coaching staff being able to recruit guys who who know they're not going to be you know mentally soft like that. Is again right? If you're saying you, the players shouldn't need to be motivated, that's correct. Don't, make, don't make me those, sound like shouldn't that. Oh, those
4: players be in the program? Don't make me sound like the old uncle for what I'm about to say, but I'm gonna say it. This whole generation is softer than baby doodle because Zimmerman. You know I get what you're saying, but look, I got friends that coach all over the country, and the shit that we talking about now. I have this conversation in every damn conference. These kids, I look. I don't want to sound like Uncle Leroy at the family reunion, but. <laughs> Some of the things these guys tell me, I'm like, are you serious? I mean, look, I mean, I get that, you know, times change. But, man, you guys don't even get it. You, I mean, you guys don't even understand half the stuff that a lot of these coaches go through. We, we he, don't hear
2: that
1: from winning programs, though. Like, we, it, we, don't, we, we don't hear that.
4: But that's because that's because they keep it in-house. But I'm telling you, I'm going to give you an example. Well,
1: then it doesn't affect their on-the-field on performance. They could be as soft as they want if they're winning and, and they're able to win week in and week out. That's fine.
4: I'll give you an example, Georgia. Georgia's a dumpster fire.
1: Georgia's also made the playoffs.
4: Well, you know what, the, Mike, I'm going to tell you something. The conversation I'm having with you, if you go and talk to the Georgia fans, ask them how happy they are with Kirby Smart, right? Okay. I said this on Twitter the other day. There are only four programs in this country right now where they're ha- – oh, that's Kirby Smart calling me right now. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> there's only four programs in this country that are happy with their program. Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, and this year, Notre Dame. Nobody else is happy. Auburn, I'm going
3: just- to get to some questions because we gotta we got to start wrapping okay. this up. But okay. your point is taken. Kelvin, I understand. Nobody's happy. Um, even in the program. Listen, that's
4: why I take when- this with a grain of salt, because I just got through my old Arena League coaches as a Texas alumni. I had a 30-minute conversation with him about Kelvin. Sounds just like this conversation. My cousin went to Auburn. Sounded just like this conversation. I mean, it is what it is. There's only going to be one or two programs that's happy every year. And usually right.
3: it's out Let me ask some questions here. Matt Miller here on Twitter says, do you expect any coaching changes? I'm going to go first. I'm going to say yes, but I think it's not going to be anybody getting fired. I think it's going to be people leaving. I I think my gut tells me, this is nothing that I've gotten from inside information, but my gut tells me Manny will make some suggestions to guys to go elsewhere. Just my, just my gut suggestion. Go ahead.
4: Um, well, every year there's coaching changes.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, you know, him, Banda, and Pat King and Baker, they're pretty tight. But Rump is the outside guy. But, you know, and Rump, Rump's not a great recruiter, but he's a good teacher. Um, and they've made concessions for his recruiting you know, his lack his recruiting prowess. I would say Packy or Banda leaves. Okay. Because they're trying to, you know, they're trying to go up to the corporate ladder. They want to be coordinators. And I think I wouldn't be surprised because those guys are from Texas that back in the Southwest area, they get a job that they can't turn down.
3: Okay. All right, here's somebody from, uh, I think it's FL Sports Fan 3 on Twitter. Uh, How can we eliminate the usual disappointing loss every year for the Canes? Can Coach Manny Diaz please take over the D again and fire the defensive coordinator? I, again, I don't think he's going to fire Blake Baker. He may tell him to go uh, look for another job or encourage him, but I don't, and I don't think Manny takes over the defense again as, as the play caller or anything like that.
4: Well, I think the part that, I think he was trying to subtly tell you guys is he is involved, and I think Ed is involved too. Um,
3: but he doesn't call plays, I don't think.
4: No, nah, but I mean, I'm. I mean, he has the headset on, and I think him and Baker, him and Baker are more in line with each other than I think you guys think. You know. Okay. Uh, the, this is I, from. Uh, I'm gonna say this one with. One more thing about that. I think Banda and Packy are the two guys that I could see once again leaving because I think – this is nothing I know, but I'm just looking at it like this. Banda and Packy were here, but he brought Baker in. So if you just look at the natural procession of humanity, there's got to be some – you know, some – angst there because it's like oh, why you why you bring him in you know all
3: right this is from uh g greg or G Reg third leg manny why didn't you ask tougher questions obviously that's why unc ran for 500 yards well i'll try, answer to, that ask, answer that, try to ask as many softball mm-hmm. questions Come as i check. can <laughs> what's that
4: well, you know, I, I said every I said every week. Susan Miller, Dagnan, and Barry Jackson—they clean your clock with us every
3: week. That's right, every week. And that's why I had to leave the Herald. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. Th- this is from uh, our friend Carlos. What does emotionally exhausted mean, and how do they avoid that in the bowl game? Therapy, meditation, therapeutic painting, emotional support dogs. All the above. (laughs) I mean, you know,
4: I mean, I get it that people are a little, you know, and I mean, I'm trying to be sensitive too, but I'm just looking at. I'm just going to take Derek King. You,
3: all
4: right? I'm. I'm going to use him like this. You're. You're thousands of miles from your home. Your mom had cancer. Your dad died of a heart attack. And oh, by the way, you can't see any of them. Uh, they can't come to your games.
3: They did uh, come on Saturday, by the way. They were there for the 62 to 26 shellacking.
4: Hey. Maybe we shouldn't have them come anymore. I mean, that's probably what it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what I'm saying is, I'm just using him because he's from another state. But you got kids who are local who've been away from their families. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then you get COVID, and they tell you, you can't. And I, not, no, I didn't know that Manny and those guys were doing this, but I know this from other programs that thing about the kids being in their apartments and not being able to see people. Um, I got a friend of mine whose son got kicked out of school because he violated the 14 day quarantine in his apartment. I mean, that's how serious this has been. So, I mean, I I know I know Manny, you know Mike. You know we we say emotionally exhausted, and we think it's soft. But you know when I'm getting coaches all over the country saying the same thing, friends of the coaching. You know this obviously is more serious than we think. And you know you got kids no, who I, are committing
3: suicide. I got sympathy. I got sympathy for those kids that had to go through this year. It was it was a very difficult season, but. They also were quite, well, now, quote unquote up side, for this game no, I'm, and practicing well. So was, I don't understand but, that. That's the
4: other thing I think that, you know, on the flip side, and I'm not just talking about kids at our school, but if you're playing college football, Division I college football this year, every chance you get a chance to put your uniform on, this year especially, you can't just shit that away because you don't never know when – I'm just looking – who is this? Yeah, Vanderbilt, Georgia, canceled Saturday. So, you know, the Sarah Fuller girl, that was a great story. She thought she'd have another game where she got the kick. Wrong. So, you know, I mean, you see how quickly it ends. So, that's the most disappointing thing I think for me on Saturday is that some of these guys, if they don't play in the bowl game, will never get a chance to put a uniform on again. And mm-hmm. this is how you went out. But, hey, look. I'm just an alumna. <laughs>
3: <laughs> this is from uh E Matt P three. Uh, let's assume you get the, the talent he needs. Is Diaz the right guy to coach them up? It's great that they're eight and two, but every game seems uncertain. Can never get comfortable with this team.
4: Yeah, I think he is. I mean, you know, I think the biggest problem in college football is that everybody wants to recycle after two years or three years, if they haven't gotten the result they want. Mm -hmm. Uh, Auburn, I don't understand that. Why would you fire a guy four days before the um, signing day? So what you've basically done is you've basically told the new coach, yeah, we want you to coach this team, but we're going to chop like six of your fingers off because – you know, a good majority of your recruiting class is going to jump ship. I mean, I just think that, you know, no offense to the fan bases. I just think that the tail is wagging the dog now. I think that too many of these athletic directors are fans themselves, and they don't look at the big picture, and they don't look at the long game. Because well, th-
3: this, this is going to take – you have to give Manny four years, in my opinion. This is year two. He's got to take another step forward next year, okay, whether you have the linebackers here or not, whether you have the quarterback here or not. You have to be able to continue to recruit at a high level. And they have a good signing class coming in. But next year especially, if they take a step back, he's going to be on the hot seat. If they if they lose four, five, six games hmm. next year, he's going to be fired.
4: I've looked at the schedule and I got to be honest with you. Uh, I thought that 10 and 2 or 9 and 2 was possible this year. Anything less than 10 and 2 next year, and it's going to be a problem.
2: Okay.
4: I mean, look, we got Michigan State, we got Alabama, we got App State, and we got Central Connecticut State as our non conference. We should be 3 and 1 going into conference. And then at that point, you know, you look at our conference schedule. I mean, you know, Florida State is, is you know, it's a rival. And North Carolina is going to be competitive next year. They won't be as good as they are this year offensively. Virginia Tech, they got some issues. Um, honestly, there's no excuse. I mean, look, every year man, he's going to go, like, I mean, you know, I may sound like I'm against you guys, but I'm with you guys. Hey, man, I expect 10 and 2 to 12 and 0 every year. There's, and, but, but the thing about it is they know this. They know this. So, I mean, I expect us to take another step next year.
3: All right. I think we're going to wrap it up because we've been at this for 90 minutes and this may have been the longest podcast we've ever recorded, but hey, it deserved it. It deserved it, man, because this is a uh, <laughs> this is a hot topic. Everybody wants to know: Is Blake Baker gonna be fired? Do they need? They want information, and and I'm telling them that look, Manny's gonna decide after the bowl game, just like he did last year. What you know? What needed to be done? He knew going into the bowl game he was gonna fire Danny. Knows? I yeah. think in this case yeah,
4: that, that was a little different, though, because their personalities just didn't match.
3: Right. In this case, I think it's gonna be harder because. Lake Baker has still, for the most part, done an okay job. They're eight and two. And I think like you said, there's a relationship there. So
4: yeah. Well, you know, I mean, look, I get text messages from certain guys, certain players during the game, one of them hometown. I mean, they're like, oh, the scheme, is scheme. I'm gonna go back to the Clemson game. On that fourth and two. That was a hell of a call. It's a hell of a call. Mm-hmm. Think about what happened. He drops an edge rusher into the flat and the guy picks it off. So, what does that tell you? That tells you that they knew the tendencies and knew it was coming and they made the right call.
3: Yep. Now, well, but the play wasn't executed. And who's that on? That's on uh, the players.
4: The players. So it goes hand in saying,
3: hand. Well, I you
4: know, it's funny because I've been looking at my Twitter feed and I've been seeing, oh, we need to get Will must champ. We need to get T-Rob in here. Yeah, we're going to go get guys that just got fired. That makes a lot of sense. But <laughs> I'm going to go back to the Notre Dame-Clemson game. In my opinion, Brent Venables is the best defense coordinator in college football. He makes great calls. I turn against Notre Dame.
3: All
1: right, no? right man, I think because... there's one person that we haven't
3: heard from yet. Yeah, I think I know who you're talking about. He's our friend from Hialeah.
2: Manny, it's Raul from Hialeah, man. Uy, eh, I have just come to consciousness following a a weekend-long binge of the drinking. Manny, esta paliza que nos dieron the North Carolina Tar health. de El Estobillo Sucios. The beat of 62 to 26, money, I cannot believe it, man. Money, 778 yards, 778 yards, money of offense. Money, that is longer. That is more yards. That is more distance than it took me to come from Cuba to, to the United States, man, to Key West. That's farther than that, man. Had I taken 778 yards when I left my balsa to the U.S., I would have ended up in, like, New York, man. That's how far that is. Oy. What the hell was this thing doing, money? And then money Diaz comes down Monday morning talking about emotionally exhausted. Emotionally. Pero que le pasa a los Well, these what are they doing? What do you mean emotionally exhausted? Well, did they watch Days of Our Lives before the game? Did they watch uh, uh, Betty La Fea, uh, Una Novela, one of these things to get them emotionally exhausted? Did the whole team watch The Notebook as a, as a pre-game movie? Because let me tell you, The Notebook gets me emotionally exhausted, money that's a very emotional movie it's us it's down it's low it's, it's conflicts but it's, it's, it's everything there but that's not the point man the point is not me in the notebook the point is that the tar heels ran the ball of miami's young shoot for for hundreds of yards man it's 554 yards rushing money rushing money oh my god what is this blake baker Needs to go to be a baker somewhere, money. He needs to go cook pastelitos. He needs to go cook uh, Cuban bread. He needs to go cook something cake, cakes. He'll be on a bake-off television show, Holiday Wars or something like that. But I'm not coordinating the defense of the University of Miami's money. ¿Qué not have to.
0: Oh, somehow
2: didn't have to do anything again. He just kept turning around, handing the ball, and he's got averaging 137 yards a carry, 137 yards a carry, the running back from North Carolina, money. Okay, and then the offensive line. They couldn't play for the Hurricanes. The North Carolina's throwing bodies all over the place, blocking everybody, and our guys are three black mites there. Okay, five black mics, because the offensive line no black nobody. I cannot take it, man. I cannot take it. How can we finish the seasons like this after playing so well? This is this is kind of like a, a when you when you take your wife home after the wedding and you have the honeymoon, and you thought she had lost some weight to prepare for the wedding, and all of a sudden that faja comes off and it all slaps you in the face, and it's a lie. It's a lie, Manny. It was all a lie. It was nothing but a sponge and botox and stretching tears and a girl there, Manny. That's all we were. We were being held together by different products to fake how good we look, Manny. And now we look terrible. We have been undressed before the country. And we no longer look like Jennifer Lopez, Manny. (laughs) We now look like Freddy Lopez. Why, Manny? Why has this happened to us? I can't tell you, Manny. Okay, I'm going to go back to linking. Hopefully, we play somebody terrible in the whole game and we beat them 48. Nothing like we beat terrible Duke. I of me. low you, Mike.
3: Guys, Mike, Kelvin, thank you again for joining me for the podcast. It was a long one, it was a fun one. Uh, we got a bowl game to talk about soon, so we won't be going anywhere anytime soon. Plus, National Signing Day Wednesday. So, we got a lot to talk about. Yeah, that. that's going to be exciting. Yep. All right, guys. Next episode. Right. See you then.
0: 305 954. This is the state of Miami Y'all know y'all come down
2: that way